as humans, we seem to be drawn to or impressed by or at least interested in cities. I was looking at some statistics. 51% of the world's population now live in cities. 63% of the United States population now live, reside in cities. And that trend is an increasing trend. That is a growing thing. I was looking at some populations of some cities. Uh, This is the city in their metropolitan area. Uh, Shanghai, China has 23,416,000 people. Beijing, China, 21 million people, one city. Tokyo, Japan, 37 million people in one city. Cairo, Egypt, 22.5 million. Mexico City, 21 million people. New York City, 24 million people. Now compare that. I think Houston's the biggest thing ever. Six million people in the metropolitan area of Houston, Texas. Huge cities dot our landscape. I remember the very first time I was a senior in high school. It was in February of my senior year. And I was flying out for a recruiting trip and I flew into New York City. First time I'd ever been much farther than Dallas probably. The sun was coming down. I remember the lights were coming on in New York City as we began to fly into the city. And you could see the high rises And they went on forever. You come into Dallas and you see a bunch right around Fort Worth and you see a bunch there around Dallas. It seemed like they went on there forever and ever. As we began to to get lower, it it was amazing to see the city as it was opening up. And I really couldn't imagine all of these things, all of these people, all these buildings. And I saw all of the highways All of these highways going every which way. Saw cars and taillights and and cars, just car after car. Saw trucks that were carrying fuel and and supplies. Saw trains that were running. I'd never seen passenger trains and and trains that were running and planes that were were coming into the two airports there and taking back off. And and you look over to the right side and there's the the harbor and all these boats and all these big barges with their shipping containers. And, And all of these pieces... As I was flying there into the city, and really if you think about it, it it was a testimony to the ingenuity of man. It was a testimony to the resourcefulness of man. And it was was really a a very astounding thing to see. Now, being a kid from Vernon, it was also a very daunting thing to see. It wasn't, wasn't just astounding, it was astounding, but it was also kind of Kind of scary. I remember getting off the plane and seeing all those people. And I actually remember thinking as I stepped off the plane, this is the last they've ever seen of me. (laughs) Today I'm going to tell you about a city. But not just any city. I'm going to tell you today about a city that testifies to the awesomeness of God. I'm going to tell you about a city that stands as a monument to the one true living God. And I want to tell you, it's going to be even more breathtaking, even more daunting, even more astonishing than any city we've ever seen. Our message today is entitled, The God of the City. The God of the City. We're in Revelation chapter 21. Today, a chunk of verses, starting in verse 10 down to verse 27. Revelation chapter 21. Today, verses 10 through 27. The God of the City of the city. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 10, it says this. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was, a very, was like a very costly stone and as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates and at the 12 gates, 12 angels. And the names were, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the son of Israel. There were three gates on the east and three gates on the north and three gates on the south and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and the wall. The city is laid out as a square and its length is as great as the width and he measured the city with the rod. 1,500 miles its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which also are angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in it for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today, we're rejoicing over you. We're rejoicing over such a, a Savior. We're rejoicing over such a salvation through God's grace, not of any work that we ever did. We're thankful now for our redemption, for our restoration, for the fellowship that we can have with the Holy God because of Jesus. We're thankful now that we understand and we can see a glimpse of our eternal home. I pray that we would be so impressed with our eternal home that it would begin to heavily shape how we live now. It began to shape how we set our priorities in these days. I pray, Lord, that you'll be glorified in our lives and in all things. And we just point to our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We worship you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we begin today, I think it is very interesting. It, it is very, I find, very profound that the last two chapters of Scripture, 
the last two chapters of our Holy Bible are mainly describing our eternal home in heaven. Now, I honestly believe that is by God's design. I think it is in his great grace that he leaves us with these truths of heaven and more than that, his promise to deliver us there. And I think that's not a mistake. I think that's an awesome thing. And I think it's his grace that he leaves us with these truths of heaven and the promise to deliver us there. This week as I was studying, I was reminded of of some verses in the book of Hebrews. And it it was talking about Abraham. I want to turn over there. You just listen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8, 9, and 10. Now listen to this. It says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Listen to verse 10. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Then flipping over to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, and now it's talking to Christians. Now it's talking to us in the church. And it says this, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Friends, we walk about now as strangers in a strange land. And like Abraham, we are to do it in obedience. But understand all the way, as we make this journey, we are to be seeking a city which is to come, a city whose builder is God. Again today, building on last week, God himself is describing this our eternal home, this city of God. Now, let me just say, as awesome as that is, and it is breathtaking, it is completely awesome, it is awesome, I think even more awesome is what we see of the God in that city. And I believe this city is a monument to God. I truly believe this city that we're going to read about today, that we're going to break down and look at today, it is a monument to God. And because it is a monument to God, I believe as we see and as we read the description of it, it is going to testify to God. And so this morning, if you're not excited, get excited. Some of you need to hear that again. If you're not excited, get excited this morning because we're not only going to hear about our eternal home, we're also going to see our eternal God. How awesome is that? Today, you're going to hear about your eternal home and in seeing it, you're going to see a picture of our eternal God. We've got a lot to see, so here we go. First thing, in this city, first, we see it is a monument to the power of God. The city is a monument to the power of God. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now, this angel, he's described in verse 9, this angel John says, he carried me away in the spirit. 
Now the translation of that in the original language means by means of the Spirit. He carried me away by means of the Spirit. Now understand, this is not a dream. This angel in supernatural power brings the message of the Spirit in the power of the Spirit and shows John this reality. He is not dreaming. He is seeing this reality, but he is seeing it by spiritual means. Understand that. This is the truth. This is the reality. And this angel carries them there, and he is seeing it in spiritual means. John says he carries him to a great and high mountain. Now, we're going to see very shortly, the only way that you could have ever have seen all of this would be from the perspective of a great and high mountain. And so he carries him there to a great and high mountain. Then John says, the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. The holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. For the second time, we see coming to the new heaven and the new earth is a new Jerusalem. In verse 2, it says that. Now in verse 10, it says that. There on the new heaven and the new earth, there is coming down a new Jerusalem. And it says this in both of those places, coming from God. In this city, observing this city, we see the power of God. Understand, it is His work. It is in His power. There is a new heaven and there is a new earth and there is a new Jerusalem. And the reason there is, is because our God is powerful. Just as existence shows the power of God. Listen to me this morning. We're saved by God's grace. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, we are saved in God's power. And this city is a testimony. It is a monument to the power of God. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. Listen to this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 says, Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will raise us up through his power. Listen, we have a powerful God. This city, as it appears, is a monument to his power. It comes from God. This city, it is also a monument to his magnificence. Magnificence. Listen to verse 11. Having the glory of God, coming down of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. Now I want you to see the picture here. See, see the city. He is up on this mountain and he is seeing the city, the new Jerusalem come down. And the first thing that he sees, the first thing that he notices of this, of this city that comes down is its brilliance. It says, having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. The first thing he notices as he sees the city is the brilliance of the city. Jasper is not crystal clear. I was reading, and in the first century, 
they would not, especially in this area, they would not have been familiar with a diamond, with a stone like a diamond. But probably it seems the scholars say that probably the best comparison to this city would be a diamond. And that, if you wanted to try to describe it, Jasper, but that was, that was transparent, tra- gla- Jasper that was crystal clear, a, a, good, a good analogy would be that of a diamond. And so he sees here the brilliance of the city, and the city comes, and it appears as a diamond. And it appears as a diamond because of the glory of God. The city comes, and in its first glimpse, it testifies to the magnificence of God. It testifies to the awesomeness of God. That's the first description. Its brilliance shines. This city, as it appears, testifies to the magnificence of our God. Psalm 113 says, who is like our God? This city now testifies to the magnificence of God. Listen, that is our God. Do you understand that? That's our God. Sometimes we, we, get, we get numb to that. That is our God. That's how awesome he is. His city appears, and the first thing we see is it shines like a diamond. That's our God. Next, and I love this one. The city testifies. The city is a monument to the faithfulness of God. The city is a monument to the faithfulness of God. Listen to verses 12, 13, and 14. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the, wall, and the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now John sees this great and high wall around the city. Now in a moment he's going to get specific. We're going to actually have the measurements for the wall. But John sees here this, this great and high wall There around the city, there are 12 gates in the wall. The Bible says there is an angel at each gate. Now, there is no threat, and so maybe those angels are there to welcome people in. Probably, I believe, they're there to add splendor to the great wall. Here's the great wall, and here are these these 12 gates, three on the east and three on the west and, and three on the north and the south, and there are these 12 angels Can you imagine these 12 stately angels and they serve as sentinels over those gates? Then see this. On the gates, verse 12 says, there are the names of the 12 sons of Israel, the 12 tribes. Now follow with me. In Numbers chapter two, there is the description of the tabernacle. Once the tabernacle was assembled and set up, they would move the camp and they would set up the tabernacle. There on each side of the the tabernacle, there were to be three tribes camped out on each side of the tabernacle. Well, now in this city, there are now three gates on each side and there's the name of the three tribes, one for each gate. 
Folks, this is representing the old covenant that God made with Israel. Then see this. In verse 14, it says, The foundation of the wall has 12 stones. And on the 12 stones were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now follow with me. They represent the new covenant with the church. And so at the top, there's the name of the tribes. And at the foundation, there's the name of the apostles. And both of those sets of people are there. Both of those sets of people find entry through the work of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And all of those names, the ones at the top and the ones at the foundation, testify to the faithfulness of God. Be sure today, listen to me, our God is a covenant-keeping God. Not one promise has he ever broken. Not one word has ever failed to come to pass. And the walls and the gates testify that his word is faithful and his word is true. And where he promised a seed, he has delivered a seed. And where he promised a savior, he has delivered a savior. And where he promised a people redeemed and restored, there now stands a people redeemed in the grace of God. And even the walls and the gates and the foundation sing out, great is our God, faithful is our God. Oh, do you see his faithfulness? Not one word has failed to come to pass. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever shall be. It is a monument to the faithfulness of God. Not one promise ever broken. Not one word ever failed to come to pass. And the walls testify to his faithfulness. This city is a monument to his faithfulness. It's also a monument to his grace. Listen to verses 15, 16, and 17. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square and its length is as great as the width and he measured the city with a rod. 1,500 miles, its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall 72 yards according to human measurements, which also are angelic measurements. Now see this. The one who spoke had with him a gold yardstick. He brings the gold yardstick. He has the, the yardstick, the Bible says, to measure the city and its gates and its wall. Then according to his golden yardstick, he gets very specific. And he says the, the city is 1,500 miles this way and it's 1,500 miles this way and it's 1,500 miles this way. And then he gets very specific and he gives the, the measurements of the wall. He says the, the wall is 72 yards high. Then John says here, according to human measurements, which are angelic measurements as well. Now that's kind, of, that's kind of odd. According to human measurements, which are angelic measurements as well. Now what that means is this. A yard is a yard. And what that really means is this. This is a real place. 
That's what that really means. It's a real place and it's able to be measured. And it's not some abstract idea. People want to say, well, it's an abstract idea. No, he had a yard stick and a yard is a yard. And I gave you the measurements. It is a real place. It's not some symbolic hope. It is a measurable reality. Now, there's a lot (laughs) that you can take from just that. From those three verses, there's a lot that you can take from just that. But I want you to see this. The capital city of heaven is 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. Listen, the city of Tokyo, Japan, with its population of 38 million people, is 73 miles by 73 miles, and that's just in one dimension. We can still go another 1,500 miles straight up. Now, I want you to see the picture here. See see what's happening. The reason that he has to be on this great high mountain, the reason that he has to be from this perspective is to see this huge city. That's why he's back on a great high mountain, to see this huge city as it comes down. Listen, heaven is big. Heaven is huge. And the reason it is big, the reason it is huge is because God's grace is also huge. Understand, listen to me. If the call is that whosoever shall believe shall not perish but have everlasting life, if the call is whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, if the call is whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink and let him come without cost, then the reality is nobody's ever gonna be turned away from heaven for a lack of space. And even though none of us have earned it, even though none of us deserves it, even though we've all sinned and have earned death, as it drops down from heaven, it is so big and its hugeness points to the grace of our God. Oh, can you see his grace? The city is huge. It's a monument to his grace. Whosoever, whosoever shall be saved. City's a monument to his majesty. To his majesty. Listen to verses 18, 19, and 20. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation and stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. See this. Verse 18 says, the wall is jasper. The city was pure gold. Listen, the city was pure gold, like clear glass. Now, the Greek word here means 100% pure. When it says pure gold, it means gold without any impurity. A goldsmith would heat up the gold and the the foreign matter there, that it would would rise to the top. The impurities would rise to the top and, and he would skim it off. 
And he would have to have great patience. And some of them would take a higher temperature and they would rise up and he would skim them off. And then they would set that gold aside and they would bring it back at a later date and they would do the process over and over again. This gold is so pure that it's translucent like pure glass. That's what it says. The city's pure gold and it's so pure, no impurities, that it's like pure glass. Listen to the list of stones. Now try and picture this. Here comes this giant city and it is brilliant and it shines like a diamond and it is pure gold and the gold is so pure that it's like clear glass. And then it's got jasper, second sapphire. Sapphire would have been blue. Chalcedony would have been a blue gem with streaks of other colors running through it. Emerald, bright shining green. Sardonyx, red and white. Sardius, it was ruby. Sometimes it was a honey color. Chrysolite, golden. Beryl would have been sea green. Topaz would have been translucent yellow and sometimes mixed with green. Chrysophase would have been a gold color. Jacinth would have been violent. Amethyst would have been a deep purple color. And, and the splendor of all of that. Do you picture that? Here comes this city and it's, and it's brilliant and it's like a diamond and it's pure gold and there's no impurity. And then listen to these stones that adorn it. And the splendor of all that points to the majesty of our God. Psalm 145 verse 5 says, And on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. And just like the whole of his creation, just like the splendor of the heavens, Psalm 8, his city points to and it is a monument to his majesty. Oh, how splendid he is. Here's another good one. The city is a monument to his suffering. The city is a monument to his suffering. Verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. Verse 21 says that each gate was a single pearl. Each gate, 12 gates, each one made up of 12 giant pearls. I read this week that of all the stones that were listed here, at this time, perhaps the pearl would have been the most costly. Of all the gems, all the stones that were listed here, the pearl would have been the most valuable stone, the most valuable gem. Now see this. All of the other gems, stones, were products of the earth. This is the only one produced by living flesh. You take that oyster and you enter the piece of sand or, or maybe the piece of rock and it would be an agitation to the flesh. Simply, it would be a wound to the flesh. And the oyster's response, the oyster's result would be to produce this pearl. Now see the picture. And the gates to heaven, 
the entryways to the holy city, the entryway to the presence and the throne of God passes through a testimony that the entry there goes to the flesh of Jesus Christ. And by his works, we have entry into that city. By his wounds, by his suffering alone, we have entry into that city. And for all eternity, the residents of glory, as they pass in and as they pass out, as they pass in and pass out, as they go through the monument, it's gonna point to our Savior and the suffering of his cross and those gates forever will proclaim, alas, and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that, devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? And as we pass through, it's gonna be a testimony to the saving suffering of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every time in and every time out, it's gonna be a testimony to the wounds of Jesus Christ. Our entry is through the suffering of Jesus Christ. How awesome, how awesome. Next we see, the city is a monument to the glory of God, the glory of God. Listen to verses 22 and 23. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, listen to these words, and I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. The biggest thing about the old Jerusalem was the temple. The most impressive thing to the people of God, the most important thing to the people of God was the temple there, the temple where they worshiped God. And however great the palace was, however great the city was, it was the temple that was always the greatest part of the city of Jerusalem. Well, as John sees the new Jerusalem, it is only natural that he would look for the temple. As the new Jerusalem comes and he sees its brilliance and he sees the majesty of a God who ordained it as he sees it comes, it's only natural that there on his perch he would begin to look down and he would begin to lean in and he would look for the temple. Oh, where's the temple? I want to see the temple. And I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it for the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. Listen, the most distinguishing feature of heaven, all of this stuff, all of this splendid stuff, all of these descriptions, the most distinguishing feature of heaven is the, listen, the full glory of God is on display. Verse 11 says, having the glory of God. 
and without limitation, without reservation, without restriction, without obstruction, without hindrance, the sum of God, the totality of God, the pure glory of God shines forth and the, the city is such a glow in that. The sun and the moon and the stars, there's no need for them any longer and the total glory of God is on display there. Praise God. The city's a monument to God's glory. Not hindered by sin, it's a, it's a monument to his glory and it's fully revealed there. And last, seventh thing, the city is a monument to the Lamb. The city is a monument, this is the best one, to the Lamb. Verses 24 and 25. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there'll be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now the word nations in verse 24 and verse 26, it is a Greek word that, that is ethnos. It means peoples. And so redeemed people come and their very presence glorifies the lamb. These redeemed people, they come and they submit and they give God glory in the testimony of their salvation. Do you see this? These redeemed people, as they come into the city, the testimony of their salvation points glory to the Lamb of God. Verse 27. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life, it is referenced six times in the book of Revelation, the book of life. This is the only time that it is called the Lamb's book of life. It is not the book of life, but here it is now the Lamb's book of life. And every redeemed soul who files in, every sinner who was saved by the blood of Calvary, every life that was held back by the Savior's suffering, every person whose punishment was passed over by the Lamb's sacrifice, every person that's there wearing no righteousness of their own, but only the righteousness of Jesus, every person saved by the grace of God, they will walk in and they will stand as a tribute to the Lamb of God, Jesus. And their presence there is a monument to our Lamb. That's reality. That's the city. That's our God. That's our God. That's our Savior, Jesus. Our Lamb, Jesus. Maybe the greatest realization of all of that is that's our eternal home. 
We'll walk among the monument. We'll pass through the gates of pearl that point to the suffering of the Savior. We'll come and we'll pass through the walls that tell us not one word has failed to come to pass. He's faithful. And we will walk in as a testimony to the saving grace of God shown through the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. During Father, we come. I'm thankful today for the truth of the city of God, the holy city of the new Jerusalem. And I long to be there, Lord. I'm excited to be there and worship you, Lord. But I want to tell you, as great as that is, as great as it sounds, I'm more excited about the God of that city. And as we come today, I pray that would well up in our hearts praise for that God, adoration for that God, majestic, powerful, grace-filled. Lord, we worship you. I, I pray now as, as we come to a time of conclusion in this service, I pray that we're so impacted that it couldn't help but change us. I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That I pray as they, as they see the destination of the redeemed of Christ, they would understand in sin, that's not, their, that's not their home. That's not their destination. That's not their fate. But that in grace, it's offered to them today. And he who's thirsty, let him drink and let him drink at no cost. And I pray for those in this room that aren't saved that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we come and we just are astonished at you. And we praise you and we worship you. We submit to you. We seek to honor you. I pray now at this time of invitation that you would move freely, that you would work. We trust it to you. We lay it at your feet. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.